Presses Play. Hey everyone, and welcome to Girl Presses Play, the movie podcast where we talk about films, what we think about them, and what makes them so damn great. I'm your host, Alana Rafferty. Get comfy, grab some popcorn, and get ready, because we're about to press play. And now for our feature presentation. Hey everybody, and welcome to our penultimate episode for this season of Girl Presses Play. For you listeners in the States, I hope you all are adjusting from spooky season to holiday season, because apparently early November isn't too early to start that, but you know what, that's another rant for another time and place, because we're here right now to talk about superheroes on film. And in this episode, I have my word cut out for me, because today we're diving into really the two behemoths of recent superhero film history, and those are Avengers Endgame and Justice League. And at first, I was trying to take a look at the films themselves, but honestly, the more research I did and the more drafting of this episode I did, it became next to impossible to talk about them just as movies, because at this point, they're a lot more than that. They're huge moments in our collective cultural zeitgeist. They both represent huge turning points for their respective studios. And what I also found while researching is, while they may seem like they're at odds with each other, I think that if these films were actual superheroes, they would be two heroes flying parallel to each other, rushing to save the same civilians. <laughs> I think they're actually a lot more similar in what they were trying to do than different, really. So, you know what? Let's stop talking about talking. Let's just get right into it, get some snacks, maybe a lot of snacks because these are both very long, dense movies. And let's take a look at 2019's Avengers Endgame, directed by the Russo brothers, and 2017's Justice League, directed by Zack Snyder. I need to bring us together. There are enemies coming from far away. They serve an old power. Before we're done, we still have one promise to keep. If we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn sure we'll avenge it. So to tackle this in a digestible way, we'll split the discussion of this film into two parts, the thematic part and the more worldwide film industry part, because we all know there's a lot to unpack here. Thematically, one of the things that I think is really interesting about this film is how it deals with grief, because in a lot of movies, especially superhero movies specifically, we had gotten used to the kind of emotionally void, unconsequential killings of civilians, villains, co-star superheroes. So in films like Blade, for example, we see a million vampires get killed and don't feel anything for it. In Daredevil, Elektra quote-unquote dies, but then they hint that she might still be alive. And then even in X-Men, they make it nearly impossible to kill off everyone's favorite mutant, Wolverine. So there wasn't a lot of emphasis put on the fact that Death has finality and consequences, and I think Kevin Feige and the Russo brothers decided to just throw that standard to the wayside and really tackle what it means to lose people, to not be able to save people, which is what superheroes are all about. And, you know, having 
to grieve. You know, the website The Flickering Myth wrote a really interesting article about how in this movie, each Avenger represents a different stage of the grieving process, which I'll hyperlink in the description below because there's not enough time to just really get into that, but it's a very, very interesting read. You should definitely check it out. And, you know, I think that very upfront dealing with grief is reflective of a few things. One, I think the audience that started watching the Avengers in in 2012, whether they were kids or young adults or whatnot, is now seven years older and is much more capable of dealing with complex, mature themes like loss. Second, I think a fat Thor or an angry, violent Hawkeye is a way of humanizing superheroes in a way that we're getting much more comfortable with as an audience. Sure, we want to see our heroes fly and kick ass and wear cool outfits while doing said flying and ass kicking, but seeing that they feel and they hurt in the way that we do makes the connections to our on-screen heroes so much deeper. Like in Superman, we were talking about in episode three when he time travels to save Lois Lane. I mean, who wouldn't do that? And whether Marvel set that standard or made sure its storytelling fell in line with the changing times of the audience expectations... It's a little hard to suss out, but either way, they pulled it off and they have lots of box office revenue to show for it. Audio clip. I also think the biggest thing this movie did was ceremoniously end this first era of Marvel for us. Not necessarily end phase three, but end the Marvel that it started out as and usher in this very new Marvel full of lesser known superheroes and TV shows and a lot more character crossover. So the part when Iron Man has the gauntlet on and snaps and everything ends, the fact that they chose for his last words in this entire film series to be from the first movie that A, he was in as Iron Man, and B, started this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's as if the movie and Kevin Feige and the Rooster Brothers were telling the audience, thank you for sticking with us this long. We're doing something new, but we won't forget how it all started. And in these large, dense franchises, we want cohesiveness and continuity. And Marvel showed us what a large scale that could be managed on. And what an impressive scale that could be managed on. And now every other studio is jumping on the next multiverse film, the next character crossover film, the next big blockbuster event. So I think this movie set not only standards for superhero films, but I think it also set standards and trends for just film in general, film in our modern era. Let me start off our Justice League section by saying to directly compare these two movies would be a little bit unfair, really. They're two completely different comic books and the movies are made by two very different studios and very different film directors. And of course, because of the very tragic and untimely death of director Zack Snyder's daughter causing him to step away during the production of the film... It would be kind of unfair to talk about which movie is a better movie in the classic sense. So to me, a very traditional compare and contrast in that way would be 
not just, you know, maybe not ethical, but also just kind of like comparing apples to sweet potatoes. So we're just going to do away with all of that. But but I think to look at, but I think to compare these movies thematically, one thing that is very noticeable is the fact that both of these movies pretty explicitly deal with death and what can come after that. We have Wonder Woman still trying to cope with the death of Steve Trevor. Superman is gone, which the world is still dealing with and the people in his life are still dealing with. And Aquaman, granted he was under the lasso of truth, very bluntly talks about how he really, really doesn't want to die, even though it's for the greater good. And then it's interesting because after reviving Superman Frankenstein style (laughs) and defeating Steppenwolf, There seems to be this new lease on life for every member of the Justice League. The Flash gets a new job, Cyborg reconciles with his dad, Diana goes back to publicly stepping out as Wonder Woman, and Aquaman takes up his responsibilities in Atlantis again, and it's as if each character has found their purpose and found a new lease on life after having to face an intense level of loss, and it is interesting to compare that way of dealing with death to Avengers Endgame's ending, which is still trying to process a lot of the grief and the loss and even continues to very explicitly deal with in more ways than one in Phase 4, which we will be talking about soon, promise, wink wink. Um, One thing I do think this movie represents for the DC Universe, though, is the end of the very interconnected series in the Justice League, Batman v Superman sort of way. It's not just about how... um, complicated for lack of a better word the filmmaking process got on this movie but i think with all of the solo releases that have and will come out later this year we have black adam the shazam sequel in march we had the batman earlier this year and two years after justice league the huge success of the standalone joker film i think the audiences are really responding to these well critics are really responding to it well too so I think we're going to be seeing a lot more director-driven, isolated incident movies that really focus on the individual stories and characters, and especially the different tones of these films. To be blunt, I think it's the end of DC trying to use the Marvel formula and instead use their own formula, which I think works better for not only the film studios, but for the audiences as well. And Whether that was kind of planned while Justice League was happening, or they just decided to pivot after everything that happened with the film, I don't really know. But I do think it's interesting that while they're kind of doing the same thing as Marvel and that they're focusing on different characters and more secondary characters, um, it is interesting that instead of leaving off halfway through the grieving process and very much focusing on the end, I feel like Justice League focuses a little bit more on a new beginning for each character, which I think is an interesting way of transitioning into the more standalone style of superhero films. What you guys should think about getting clear. We're with you till it's done. Honestly, I think we're all gonna be dead way before that. And you know what? I don't mind. It's an honorable end. But we gotta shut Steppenwolf down. Superman's a no-show. You got no powers, no offense. This guy might be working for the enemy, we don't know. You're tripping over your feet and mine. Oof. You're gorgeous and fierce and strong and mm. I know we went to war with the Amazons, but that was before my time. And you know what? I don't want to die. I'm young. There's shit that. So, 
why are these movies such a big damn deal other than the fact that every person on earth saw them and they both made a gajillion zillion dollars, of course. I was thinking about it a lot and I think it's because of the main theme in these movies that everyone on earth deals with in one way or another, which are death and grief and processing those two things and moving on and and without getting too political it does feel somewhat faded that both of these films came out a very short time before the pandemic started in march 2020 when all of us on earth had to deal with a loss in a way that we never thought we would so the experience of the superheroes and the world of the superheroes doesn't just feel aspirational it feels somewhat grounded in reality. And I think seeing our larger-than-life mythological heroes on screen conquer both the physical and emotional destruction caused by a nefarious, omnipotent being is... It's really powerful, and even if it's not considered powerful, at the very least it can be really healing. There's a lot to be said about what these films mean to people. Even if you're the snobbiest cinephile, only watches subtitled movies that are two and a half hours long and have no plot, you know? Because these movies mean a lot to a lot of the people that watch them, and it means different things to each of them, but it would be surprising to find anyone who didn't relate to some element of loss in these films. And as sad, of course, as that is, I think that's why we gather around these films so much, to connect with the millions of people who watch them that we don't see or know, but we're connecting in the same way that they are. And during these trying times, these difficult times, this crazy time, whatever you want to call it, it's a little way of feeling connected to something bigger. All right. I'm going to cut myself off before I start going full Nicole Kidman AMC commercial, but... I think what these films mean, to sum it up, is that there's something better and there's something that we can be that's better. And I think that's important, even if it's not true or very unlikely to happen, that we feel like we can experience and be those things that we aspire to be on screen. Woof, we did it, guys. We took two behemoth movies that were cultural icons and cultural milestones and kind of sort of talked about them in a digestible way. <laughs> We gave it the old college try, but enough of me talking and enough of me making comments about things. I want to know what your thoughts are on these movies. Do you like more one than the other? Are you excited to see which direction Marvel and DC takes their films? Let us know in the comments below. As always, we love hearing from you guys. We love hearing your thoughts. Just bring them on. And since we're going to need some TV experts, we're going to be talking with my friend Jessica Chen, who co-created and co-wrote the web series Drama High and Sand Help. And even though we're mostly going to be talking about the Marvel TV universe, there's going to be a little bit of Flash in there, some Arrow, maybe we'll even get nostalgic and do some X-Men animated series references. So stay tuned for that because it's going to be a very fun discussion. And until said discussion, stay safe and keep watching movies. See you next time.
Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check back every Tuesday for new episodes and be sure to check us out on our Patreon page where you can support the show and get some really cool exclusive stuff for doing it. Special thanks to John F., Ferriolo Fencing, LLC, Marianne O'Dwyer, and Helen Rafferty. For news on upcoming episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Girl Presses Play. The show is written, produced, and hosted by Alana Rafferty. Intro music is composed by Asha Iwanowitz, and our logo design is by Mark Sauve. Thanks again. See you next time. Girl Presses Play. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.